Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today we're going to look at removing safety cones in our lives, those areas where we put boundaries around what we're willing for God to ask of us. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that our Set Apart Conference is coming up June 4th through 6th in Colorado. You can either join us in person at our Ellerslie campus or stream the conference anywhere you are in the world via simulcast. And the simulcast is a great way to share the Set Apart message with other women in your life, whether you gather in your home or in a church. A lot of people host big events with the simulcast and some people just have a friend over and stream the sessions off of a computer. It's just a great way to focus and center our lives afresh on Jesus Christ. So there is only one week left to register. If you do register for a simulcast, you'll have access to the sessions throughout 2021. If you'd like to join us in person, don't wait too long because we only have a few spots left. Go to setapartgirl.com to learn more. I'd love to see you there. Let's dive into removing those safety cones in our lives. I think we all have areas where we are prone to just put boundaries up and say, okay, this far, Lord, but no farther. If you want to ask this of me, that's fine, but don't ask this of me. And I think in times like these, the times in which we're living, we all need to be freshly resolved and reminded what it means to count the cost, to take up our cross, to radically follow Jesus with no boundaries, no limits, even if it costs our very life. That's the kind of Christianity that is going to stand strong in the world that we live in today. The kind of Christianity that protects comforts and puts boundaries around what we're willing for God to do with us is not going to stand strong in times like this. And yet, how do we get there? How do we get to that point where we are willing for God to remove those safety cones, where we're willing to say, Lord, anywhere, anything, anytime, no limits, I am completely available to you. Ever since I became serious about following Jesus, I have been so challenged and inspired by glimpses of that kind of radical devotion throughout Christian history. We see these men and women who literally lay down their very lives for the sake of Christ, and it can be so motivating and inspiring to say, that is what Christ has called me to. That is the kind of Christianity I want to go after. You know, it is really easy when you hear those kind of amazing stories to kind of put them in a different category and say, well, those are for special Christians. And yet God has reminded me over and over again that there really are no special Christians. There are only faithful Christians. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But let me give you just a quick glimpse at some of the stories that have most inspired me through the years. One of them happened in the 1700s. Two young Moravian missionaries heard about an island that was going to be populated with about 3,000 slaves. And the owner of this island wanted nothing to do with God. And he made a declaration that those slaves that were going to be confined to this island for life would never know or hear anything about God. And these two young men became so burdened for bringing the gospel to that island of slaves that they actually sold themselves into slavery, a lifetime of slavery, in order to have two Christians there who could begin to spread the gospel among those 3,000 who would never hear the gospel in any other way. And as they were on the slave ship and the, the ship was pulling away from the dock, family members had gathered to see them off. They were weeping. They were wondering if the sacrifice was really too extreme, if these young men really had done the right thing in giving up their lives and kind of sacrificing their entire future in order to bring the gospel to this island. But as the ship was pulling away, they both called out to their family members, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. 
And that is just an astounding story that almost leaves you breathless because their eyes were so fixed upon the glory of Jesus Christ and that he would receive the reward of his suffering, that he wouldn't die in vain, that his death on the cross would impact those precious lives that were confined to this island, and that his gospel would be proclaimed to those who were enslaved by darkness. And when you hear a story like that, you think, wow, I could never do that. Great for them, but I could never do that. And yet, are we willing for God to make us willing to make that kind of sacrifice if it means bringing souls into his kingdom? If it means saying, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Another story that really inspires me is Lilius Trotter. She was a young woman in the Victorian era in England. She was being brought up in a very wealthy Victorian home, and she had the opportunity to become one of the most famous painters in history. She was sort of mentored by John Ruskin, who was a very famous art critic at that time, and he challenged her to give herself completely and fully to her art. And if if she did, he would make her into this famous person that generations to come would know about. She wrestled so much with the decision because she knew that to give her life completely to her art would be an incredible opportunity and people would read about her in the history books. But then she also knew that God was calling her to a life of radical devotion to Jesus. And she finally came to the place where she said, I cannot give myself to my art in the way that he means and still seek first the kingdom of God. And so she gave that up. She gave up her wealth and she ended up pouring out her life in the slums of Algeria for about 40 years, just completely given to the lowest and the destitute and people who would have never heard the gospel any other way. And when you look at her biography and you see the testimony of people who knew her, you see how incredibly fulfilled she was, even though she had chosen to give up fame and fortune and live in obscurity. And one of her famous quotes that has really inspired me is this, holiness, not safety, is the end of our calling. Holiness, not safety is the end of our calling, meaning remove those safety cones, remove those boundaries, because when we are willing to remove those safety cones, there are really no limits on how mightily God can work through us to shine his light in this world. Another inspirational figure to me is C.T. Studd, again, in the Victorian era and was very famous with crick- as a cricket player. He came from a very, very wealthy family, could have been a famous athlete. And yet, when he radically gave his life to Jesus, he realized, I don't want to be living for money. I don't want to be living for athletics or fame. I want to be totally and completely poured out for the glory of God. And so he chose to give up all of his wealth, give up all of his athletic pursuits, and go to very, very difficult places all around the world on the mission field. He suffered intensely from disease, from danger, from all sorts of opposition. And yet one of his famous quotes, says this, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. And that's really what removing safety cones is in a nutshell right there. No sacrifice is too great for us to make for the one 
who died for us. If he is God and he died for us, then why would we ever put limits around our willingness to give everything to him? And C.T. Studd, again, was mightily, mightily used to rescue souls, to inspire Christians around the world because he had removed those safety cones. Oswald Chambers is another one. Most of us know him for his famous devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, but he had the opportunity to be world famous in both music and art, and he gave up all sorts of prestigious opportunities and poured his life out. During the war, he went over to Egypt and he started to minister to the soldiers, and he poured his life out so thoroughly for them that they believed he was just as much of a soldier as they were on the front lines. That's how sacrificial his love for these soldiers was. And he died at a very young age, but his life was so fruitful. Even today, we are benefiting from the depth of his love for Jesus Christ because he put no limits around what God could do through him. He said this, we have no right in Christian service to be guided by our own interests and desires. The delight of sacrifice is that I lay down my life for my friend, Jesus. I don't throw my life away, but I willingly and deliberately lay it down for him and his interests. Again, that is removing safety cones in a nutshell. And, you know, we can get this idea that willingly pouring out our life for Jesus is this obligation or this heaviness. But the way Oswald Chambers describes it is as a delight. It's a delight to lay our life down for our friend Jesus. And if we are sacrificing for him in any way, it needs to flow out of a heart of love and gratitude, a heart that recognizes how much he gave up for us, and a heart that wants to respond with that same kind of sacrificial love. And so if that is not the place where your heart is at, the best way to cultivate that is spend time with Jesus, get to know who he really is, dive into the word and get the full picture of how much he loves you and what he has done for you. And soon you will find that your heart is responding with the same kind of love. John and Betty Stam, they were young missionaries who had a baby daughter and they wanted to pour their lives out for the glory of God in China in a very dangerous time when communists were taking over the country. They knew the risk, but they went anyway. And Betty Stam wrote this in her journal long before she went to China. She was a young woman at the time, I think maybe 18 years old, but she wrote this, Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my life. I give myself my all utterly to thee to be thine forever. Fill me and seal me with thy Holy Spirit. Use me as thou wilt. Send me where thou wilt and work out thy whole will in my life at any cost now and forever. She and her husband, John, were beheaded not long after they arrived in China by Chinese communists. And people wondered, was the sacrifice worth it? And yet their testimony, their willingness to remove those safety cones, their willingness to say, Lord, at any cost, inspired missionaries all over the world to rise up and say, no limits, no boundaries. I'm going where no one else is willing to go, and I'm going for the glory of God. And of course, we all know the story of Jim Elliott and the five other missionaries who willingly went to one of the most dangerous tribes on earth, knowing very well that it may cost their life, but being so motivated to shine the light of Christ in such a dark place and at the prime of their life, being willing to lay everything down for his glory. And Jim Elliott said this, Father, take my life, yea, my blood, if thou wilt, and consume it with thine enveloping fire. I would not save it, for it is not mine to save. Have it, Lord, have it all. 
Now, the common thread in these stories and so many other stories like them is absolute surrender. No boundaries, no limits. Have it, Lord. Have it all. And that is the place that each of us needs to be brought to if our Christianity is really going to be triumphant and victorious and world-changing. A lot of times when we hear these stories, the question is, what about modern-day examples? You know, stories from Christian history are great, but are there any modern-day examples of that kind of radical devotion? Because when we look around at the church, a lot of us see mediocrity. And it's very true. Mediocrity and self-protection and self-comfort is very prevalent in the church today. I do believe there are some amazing modern-day examples of radical devotion to Jesus Christ. If you've ever seen the documentary Insanity of God, that details so many of these Christians around the world. Or Free Burma Rangers details some people who are risking everything to shine the light of God in a very dark place. If you follow persecution.org or Voice of the Martyrs, you'll read stories about Christian heroes behind the scenes around the world. A lot of times they are there but they, their stories are still being written, and we probably won't know a lot of those stories until we get to heaven. We can know for sure that God has these radical, devoted followers all over the world. But there's another important truth about this that we have to understand. God is calling you and me to also become the modern-day examples of that kind of radical devotion to Jesus in this generation. That kind of no-limits Christianity, it's not just for Christians who are in extreme situations. It's for each of us right where we are with the steps of obedience that are right in front of us. It's important for us to realize we don't have to do something earth-shattering or have a book written about us to fulfill that calling. As I said earlier, there are no special Christians, only faithful Christians. Now, we're not all called to accomplish tasks that are going to directly shape the course of history in some dramatic or obvious way, like maybe Jim Elliott and the five other missionaries. Everyone knows their stories. It became very, very famous. Not all of us will be called to something that public, but each of us is called to be fully about our Father's business wherever He has placed us and fully obedient to whatever He calls us to. And it's that kind of ordinary, everyday faithfulness that really will change the world. Every one of those Christian heroes that I just gave you a glimpse of were just ordinary people who took steps of radical obedience. They just did what God put in front of them to do, and they did it faithfully. And God chose to use their story in a mighty, mighty way. There have been times in my life when God has challenged me to remove safety cones. And they weren't these big dramatic stories like giving up my life on the mission field, but they were very significant for me. I remember a time a number of years ago when my oldest son Hudson was about three, and we had adopted a little girl from Korea, Harper, who's now 14, and it was very easy for me to think, okay, I'm pitching my tent here, this is comfortable, we've we've kind of obeyed that nudge of God to reach out to vulnerable children, we've adopted one child, and that was kind of a, an intense situation, so let's be done. And Hudson, who was three, was starting to hear about children around the world who needed advocates, who needed families. He had seen some pictures of children from Haiti who didn't have parents, who were in an orphanage, who were sick and very sad, and he wanted to know their story. And I told him, well, they're children without a mommy and daddy. And he could not grasp that. As a three-year-old, he couldn't grasp what it would be like to be a child without a mommy or daddy to take care of him. And he said, we need to go 
over to Haiti and we need to bring home 20 of these children. This was his plan at the age of three. So I was trying to explain to him we didn't really have room in our house for 20 orphans and not to mention they wouldn't let us adopt 20 orphans at a time. But he thought about this for a few days and then he called Eric and I to come see something that he had been working on. And we went upstairs and we saw all over the upstairs of our house he had orphan beds that he had created. So a blanket, a pillow, and one of his favorite stuffed animals. He had a couple in the hallway, three or four in our room, several in Harper's room, and the bulk of them were in his room. And he was he was sharing the best of what he had with the vision to help these orphans to bring them into our home. And he told us, see, we do have room. He was trying to convince us we have room for these 20 children. It was so convicting because I recognized through the words of my three-year-old that I had pitched my tent, that I had put up safety cones, and God was saying, I want you to remove those safety cones once again. And that led to the adoption of three more children. Two of them are from Haiti, and so much of that was influenced by Hudson at the age of three. There have been other times when God has challenged me to stay up late into the night, sometimes till three or four in the morning, wrestling in prayer for something or for someone that he has put on my heart as a burden. And that, again, is an area where I've had to remove a safety cone because typically I'm thinking, well, I need to protect my sleep. I need to protect my health. I need to have energy for tomorrow. But when God was putting that burden on me so heavily, I began to recognize, okay, God will sustain me if he's calling me to wrestle in prayer for something, even if I have to stay up all night, I'm willing for that safety cone to be removed. So these are just a couple of examples in the past few years of how God has challenged me. And that's really where it begins, just those simple everyday steps of obedience where we find that we put limits up and God says, will you remove those limits? So here are a few safety cones that you might want to prayerfully consider taking before God and asking him to show you Do I have a boundary up in this area of my life? Or am I willing to say, Lord, I will go farther in this area. I will not pitch my tent. I'm willing to go farther. The safety cone of silence is one. Are you willing to share the gospel with others even if they reject you? A lot of us need to remove that safety cone of silence today because there is so much pressure to be silent, to be quiet, not to be bold about what we believe because we're afraid of of rejection by friends, by family, by coworkers. There's the safety cone of social correctness. Are we willing to remove that safety cone and to stand boldly with Jesus in the midst of a hostile culture that is growing more and more hostile towards Christianity by the day? Are we willing to say, I'm standing with Jesus no matter if it's socially correct or not? not. And a lot of Christians are at that crossroads right now. Am I willing to radically stand with Jesus or am I going to try to blend social correctness with my Christianity? There's the safety cone of unforgiveness. A lot of times we put up barriers. We're not willing to forgive people who have hurt us because we think, well, this is some sort of protection against getting hurt again, or this is a way of sort of holding them accountable for what they've done. Are we willing to remove that safety cone and say, I'm going to love and forgive those who have wronged me in the past. Even though it's very painful to do so, I'm going to rely on the enabling grace of God to forgive through me. Are we willing to remove the safety cone of self-protection? Are we willing to let God take us out of our comfort zone to serve him boldly, 
no matter what the cost, no matter the discomforts, Lord, I'm willing for you to remove that self-protective safety cone that I put up in my life. Are we willing to pray that prayer? Or the safety cone of comfort in this country, at least in America, we're very used to a comfortable lifestyle. And are we willing to embrace inconvenient steps of obedience and self-sacrifice if it removes that safety cone of comfort? A lot of times when we take trips to the mission field, it's a rude awakening because we recognize the comforts that we're used to are just not there. Are we willing to lay those things down if God asks us to? Or the safety cone of control. A lot of us find safety in controlling our dreams, our destiny, our future, and sort of manipulating circumstances so that our life will turn out exactly as we want it to. Are we willing to lay our dreams down at his feet and say, Lord, whatever you desire, I am not going to be in control of my life and my future anymore. Those are difficult decisions to make, and it requires the grace of God to be brought to that place of being willing to just kick those safety cones out of the way. But again, it's the surrender and the willingness that makes all the difference. Gladys Aylward, when she went to China as a missionary, she became such a powerful influence on that country, but it really just flowed out of her willingness to remove safety cones. The missionary training school that she went to originally told her she was not even qualified to be a missionary in China. She was too old. She couldn't learn the language. She wasn't very skilled in her studies. But the one thing she did have was a complete removal of all safety cones. She put absolutely no boundaries around what she was willing to do for God. And that is why she was so mightily used in China. There's a story before she even left how she had comfortable shoes because she was working very long hours as a parlor maid and as a servant trying to scrape money together for a train ticket to get over to China. And she had comfortable sort of working shoes. And she was just doing whatever she could to scrape the money together. And and she said, even if I have to be uncomfortable, I will put all the money that I have into going to China. And she had decided to sell her comfortable shoes and she went into a, a store, sold her shoes, put all the money to China for the China trip and bought these really cheap two left shoes. So she wore these two left shoes all through her long days of working and all the way until she got to China and beyond because of that sacrificial, Lord, no limits, I'm willing to go as far as you ask me to go. And just that small decision is so representative of her overall heart. And you see that later in her story in much bigger areas of sacrifice once she was over in China. But towards the end of her life, she said this, I wasn't God's first choice for what I've done for China. I don't know who it was, maybe a man, a well-educated man. I don't know what happened. Maybe he died. Maybe he wasn't willing. And God looked down and saw Gladys Elward and said, well, she's willing. And I think that is so great because it reminds us we don't have to have these special qualifications. We don't have to be in the category of super missionary in order to remove the safety cones and say, Lord, I'm willing. And God does the rest. It's the surrender and the willingness that matters. So God is calling each of us in such a time as this to remove all limits and all boundaries and say, Lord, I will go wherever you ask me to go, whatever the cost. Are we listening to that call? The time is short. I think all of us sense that. And we need to ask ourselves what we are living for. Are we living for this life or are we living for eternity? Elizabeth Elliot once said, purity comes at a high price. Sometimes the sacrifice makes little sense to others, but when offered to God, it is always accepted. And I think the same is true for this that we're talking about today. World-changing Christianity, devotion to Jesus Christ comes at a high price. And that price is 
forsaking everything to follow him. Sometimes the sacrifice makes little sense to others, but when we offer it to him, it is always accepted. Now, one question that comes up as we're pondering removing our safety cones is this, is it safe to remove our safety cones? Can we really trust God when we say no limits, no boundaries, Lord, have me do whatever you want with my life? Do we think that he is out to just make our lives miserable? A lot of us put the safety cones up because we're afraid of what God might call us to. A couple of stories that stand out to me in Christianity, one is Corrie ten Boom's story. When she was in Holland and the Nazis began to overtake her country and she and her family were caught harboring the Jews, she was imprisoned. And the one prayer that she always prayed was, Lord, let me not go into Germany. The one thing she did not want was to go into a German concentration camp. And God answered no to that prayer and allowed her to be placed in a German concentration camp. She had to face her greatest fear. And yet later she recognized that this was part of God's purpose for her life and she wouldn't have traded it for anything. She wrote this, looking back across the years of my life, I can see the working of a divine pattern, which is the way of God with his children. When I was in a prison camp in Holland during the war, I often prayed, Lord, never let the enemy put me in a German concentration camp. God answered no to that prayer. Yet in the German camp, with all of its horror, I found many prisoners who had never heard of Jesus Christ. If God had not used my sister Betsy and me to bring them to him, they never would have heard of him. Many died or were killed, but many died with the name of Jesus on their lips. They were well worth all our suffering. Faith is like radar, which sees through the fog, the reality of things at a distance that the human eye cannot see. And as Amy Carmichael said, It is always a safe thing to trust God to fulfill a desire that he creates. So even though we may have to go through something that we don't initially want to go through, on the other side of it, we will recognize that God's plans are far bigger than our own plans. And whatever he calls us to, even if it is facing our greatest fears, he gives us incredible grace for. Amy Carmichael was another one who had to face some of her greatest fears, and yet she testified that God's faithfulness overshadowed all of our all of her fears, and she would never have traded what he called her to do. She would never go back and say, I, I wish that he would have fulfilled my dreams, because she recognized that his dreams for her were so much bigger, were so much more powerful. So my challenge to you is this, whatever safety cones he is asking you to remove in your life, don't forget that it is always safe to place your dreams, your future, and your life entirely in those nail-scarred hands of the one who died to save you. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to take these truths deeper, please visit us at setapartgirl.com. We have a new format for our print magazine where you can now receive it four times a year. So click on the magazine tab if you'd like to learn more about that. We also have an online mentoring program, which gives you so much material that you can take this concept of a radically devoted life to Jesus Christ even deeper. So check out those resources, and I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.